episode 229, The Future of Mentorship. I'm Andrew Murata, host of the Education Leadership and Beyond podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Educators, it's Gretchen here of Always a Lesson. I am your host of the Empowering Educators podcast. I really want you to stay empowered. I want you to hone your craft, not just during this podcast, not just after, but today, tomorrow, and always. We are losing too many great teachers to other professions, and I'm going to talk about that today. But this podcast is really just my way to provide guidance and inspiration because I want you to retain your elite educator status so you can impact students and your colleagues for generations to come. As I said, today I'm going to be in your ear talking about mentorship and how we are losing too many great teachers. So if you are a teacher leader, meaning you impact and support teachers in any capacity, whether it's a formal role or not, this episode is especially for you. Let's start by just celebrating 2020 is almost in the books. By the time this airs, we are about to say good riddance. I mean, it can only go up from here, right? Uh, The next time we talk, that means it's going to be January 2021. We're just seeing that date is like some relief, right? I, I really sincerely look forward to how we change the dynamic of schools after we get out of this pandemic. And I'm excited for what's on the other side, like bring it on. Two quick announcements before we really dive into the episode. I've got learning opportunities for you teacher leaders. So the first one is our Simply Coaching Summit happening right now as you're listening. I'll leave the link for you to grab your ticket to that. It's virtual. You can be in your PJs on your couch. Start and stop as many times as you want. It's the best PD in town for those of us who support teachers. Also, my mastermind is closing its doors very soon. Our cohort jumps off in January. So if you support teachers, and I'm sure you do, and you really want a cohort of folks to hash things out with, to share your wins, to get advice, then you got to join. And I'm limiting seats to 10. That is my max number where I know I can show up and serve. Anything over that, I feel like I can't do you justice. So 10. That's it, folks. 10. So please become one of those. Uh, The link also will be in the show notes. Just go to alwaysalesson.com, click on podcast. You'll find both links there to the coaching summit and to the mastermind. All right, let's dive into the show. I always love sharing with you the rationale for why I want to talk about something. So here's the thing. As a teacher coach, we focus a lot on teacher preparation and then after that, we phase two is kind of the support model to keep it going. Well, let's be honest there. The reason we're in this predicament and why the teacher coach role exists is because there is this ongoing 
there's a lack of ongoing preparation for teachers, but there's also a lack of preparation for us teacher leaders. So we are basically sharing what we wish we would have had, but we're also going into it blind, kind of building the ship as it sails away. And that can be frustrating. It's a loss of time. And it's really why some of our mentorship programs aren't effective. And when you think about the leadership progression, at least for me, this is kind of how it worked out where you lead in the classroom as the teacher, and then you start leading your colleagues, whether you mentor them, or maybe you host a student teacher, then you kind of become a building leader, whether you're a specialist or an instructional coach or whatever it might be called, facilitator, maybe even become an AP or a principal. And so you work your way up this ladder and all of that gives you experience for how to mentorship or how to mentor people, but there's really no structured support model. And many districts tried to put together a support model. And, and at least in the district I worked in, it was very short-lived and who it focused on. And there was really no follow-up or follow-through. So it was kind of more a written document to check the box that the district had it. And that is that. And if you can imagine if you would grow under a very limited option such as that, the answer is no. So if we really pull back the layers of why mentorship is really important, let's talk about it. We, If we don't provide ongoing support to teachers, then we miss out on the opportunity to develop strengths in other people, to upgrade our talent pool at a school building. So we just kind of operate at this very low level, which never helps our students become better. The The strength of us as a whole is diminished. And we never get to impact generations of kids because these poor teachers who need support aren't going to get it. They're going to get frustrated. They'll leave or they're just going to keep operating at a low level. And so teachers often enough become convinced they aren't good enough or not talented enough, and certainly not valued. So burnout or a lack of job satisfaction becomes this engine that flies them right out of the profession. I mean, not even out of the classroom, just that get the heck out of here, out of the profession completely. And so that means that we lose good colleagues that could have become great. We lose strong leaders in the classroom teaching kids. We lose out on what their talent could enhance in terms of what the entire school experience is. And now they're in a different profession, not even utilizing their gifts and talents. So mentorship could have saved some of our best teachers, but honestly, we'll never know because they left due to this lack of structured support. And I'm thankful we have support programs for the new teachers, as I was talking about, but that only goes up to year three at least in my district. So the if you think about it, the best of the best athletes, they have mentorship and is ongoing. They have coaching up until the very last day on the job. Yet we don't view mentorship, us as educators, as a way to continue growing. We kind of look at it as an underperformance slap on the wrist. Uh, so we've got to change the culture that's surrounding mentorship. We have to change the structure that we put in place so that it could become an effective model. And then we have to change that stigma of how mentorship propels teacher growth. And when we're honest with ourselves, when someone teaches us how to do something better, we become better. 
That's mentorship. It doesn't have to be a formal program, but we're at the point now where we really need some effective mentorship models in place so we can go up from there. So we teacher leaders have this opportunity in our hands. And I'm going to ask you, are you willing to lead the charge? Because otherwise, whatever's happening at your school is just going to continue or it's going to dissipate. I beg you to think about that. There might be someone else that could propel things forward or make it better, but I am doubting that it's going to happen. You are in this position for a reason. You have the opportunity. You're going to invest in the future of your school by helping these teachers grow. They'll go on to do the same for others in the years to come. It's just the best way to help students by helping teachers who then go on to help generations of students. And I know this is a very real problem in many schools because I've seen it as a coach being in multiple schools. I've lived it teaching in multiple schools and it's just not good, y'all. I mean, my own mentorship journey, I had student teachers. I was sent an email from my principal in my third year, um, which at the time I was very flattered thinking, wow, I'm already going to teach someone how to do this. And I've only been doing it three years. But when I look back, like, I don't know that I would have given myself a student teacher. I mean, I did things well, but I certainly wasn't super effective. But when I look at who else was in my building at the time, yeah, I was the strongest pick. That's sad. I mean, no offense to myself, (laughs) right? Hey, y'all, popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. And then as the years went on, I became a new teacher mentor. Any new teacher that came in the building came my way. I would help them get acclimated, get set up, find whoever their mentor was going to be, help talk about some of the professional developments using our Teach Like a Champion book. I was the grade level leader, so I would attend certain meetings, come back to my colleagues, help them implement. All things kind of filtered through me. I would present professional developments. I then left my school to become a new teacher coach within the district. Uh, After a few years left that, started my own coaching business where I can do that nationwide. And then now I'm coaching coaches nationwide. So it's just developed. But I say all this to say no one helped me do this. (laughs) And if any of y'all are listening and I have mentored you, I hope you look at me with some grace and say, she's doing the best she can. She's learning how to help many people. And every year I get better and I get stronger and new situations come and I can help you think through that. But no one was helping me. No one was teaching me how to be a better mentor or how to even set up the structure to mentor people, all the logistical pieces, which we'll talk about in a minute. And so to think that I climbed that high on my own is kind of like, wow, how did that happen? But I guess it was because what I'm saying to you is please be the advocate at your school. And that's what I became because I was seeing how much support I needed and wasn't getting that I was not going to let that happen to other people. 
I was going to be their advocate. Even if I was only one step ahead of them, I was going to help them take that step. And over time, I was able to talk to the right people, get some helpful insight and information and guidance and piecemeal together my mentorship style and methods. But it was very haphazard, you know, like just imagine a room full of post-it notes and papers all over the place. Like that's kind of what my brain was like when I put together (laughs) my plan. Certainly wasn't pretty and typed and in a binder. And that's okay. I, I did figure it out on my own. If you are a coach, you may have purchased all the forms I had to create from scratch. That's in a um, a binder too. And if you mentor and you happen to purchase my mentor kit, I created that from scratch, which is monthly checklist of items to talk about. And it's also editable. So things that are going on at your school, you can add those very specific things in. But I share that and I ask you to think about how you could create something similar to that at your school that would help take it to the next level. And if you want to use those two resources I was talking about to get things started until you can wrap your head around it, then do it. I had to do stuff, take what I was given and try and figure out how to make my own that that fit my needs. Uh, You really need to think through, for example, I would say, okay, what is the goal of this meeting? Why am I meeting with this person? Because we all know we don't need just another meeting. And a lot of these mentor meetings for me, they came with a checklist and they were telling me things and checking it off that they told me things like, hey, we have parent-teacher conferences coming up. Are you ready? Yeah? Check. I'm like, I don't know what it means to be ready, but I think I'm ready. You know, like, come on. And then it it was a 10 minute conversation. She signed it. I signed it. And off we went. She was in a different grade level, had no idea what my concerns or needs were in my grade level. And it was just this formality. It was not mentorship. She was getting paid to be my mentor, not mentoring me. And that's frustrating that that is the system that we have here. So I always thought, okay, what is the goal of this meeting? What do I want this person to walk away being able to do? I was took some time to have an awareness of our event calendar for the school and then also what was happening in the curriculum at the time so we could troubleshoot, okay, things are coming up. Do we need to move things around? Do we need to notify parents of things? Uh, you know, all those tiny logistical things. Then there's relationship building. Like I needed to get to know these people because if not, I would never understand how they operated and I'd never be able to predict a struggle or truly empathize with what they're going through so I can help them think through things. So it's really important I took time to get to know them and not just like fire off this checklist. And then what I realized through many of these meetings is I was not pushing them to action. We would talk things out. They love talking it out, but they were never getting better. And so before I left the classroom, I finally realized I needed to give very small concrete steps to ensure they would implement. And then I had to follow up with them, see how they did it and follow through with whatever promises I had made. Or if I said I would give them something, make sure I was doing my end of the bargain. So there was a couple steps there. The goal of the meeting, awareness of events, relationship building, action steps, follow up and follow through. I made lots of mistakes, like I've been honest with you in this episode, but I've had a lot of breakthroughs about what makes a great mentor and how I have been able to develop 
into a better mentor. I was able to develop and create my own method. I strengthened leadership muscle, didn't know I really had. (laughs) And through this all came my personal style and these methods and these processes that I'm going to name them the three S's, style, system, and structure. So I had my style, I knew my system for how I was going to go about it, and then I had my structure to make sure we stayed on track and it was successful. So I want you to ask yourself two questions. What makes mentorship effective and what makes a mentor effective? So when I think about what makes mentorship effective, I think three things. Like, Do you have some sort of plan? If not, just right off the bat, it's not going to work. Is there some sort of accountability and expectations of both people, the mentor and the mentee? How do I know you're showing up doing your part and and same with the other person? And what are the expectations of this relationship, of this partnership? What's to come of this meeting? And then consistency. Like, are you allotting time in the calendar for people to do this? Can they get time out of their lunch or their prep period or after school to to have these meetings? Otherwise, as we all know, I mean, it's going to be hard to happen. It's going to be in the car through Voxer, (laughs) which actually has been some of the greatest conversations. But when I think about what makes something mentorship specifically effective, it's the plan, it's the accountability, it's the consistency. And that second question about what makes a mentor effective, I think three things as well. I think someone that's able to model and demonstrate their own knowledge. I want an expert. I mean, I don't need you to be perfect, but like I was joking before, I just need to be one step ahead. I need someone ahead of me who's walked the road before, who's finding success to walk me through it and demonstrate, show me, model it. I want to see it. Invite me into your classroom or let's fake act it out right now. Uh, Second, ask questions because a lot of the time you're assuming, at least I did, I would assume what the problem was. Until again, I I got to know them and realized the real root of the problem. And had I just asked some questions instead of assuming I knew what the answers were, I could have found that faster and helped and brought a lot more clarity quicker. And then number three, just partnering with them to help adapt whatever this advice is or whatever these action steps are to their style and to their teaching strengths. I, I view mentorship as a bridge. You're helping them go from where they are now at point A to where they can be at point B, but it's not the way you would do it. It's not your strength. It's not your style. It's theirs. And that's what's really hard about leadership is helping someone else do it the way they would do it, but do it better. <laughs> and it's like you have to almost envision them as future them and help them get there. And it has nothing to do with how you did it or why you did it or anything. It's all about them. And that's tricky. That's why you really got to get to know them. You got to help them bring their future self into view. So for me, again, what makes a mentor effective is modeling, asking questions and partnering together. And so I would ask of you a few next steps as you've been thinking through this topic of mentorship. I want you to evaluate your current program at your school or your district. What do you want to keep and what do you want to kick? Keep and kick. What's working? What needs to be abolished? Secondly, I want you to draft 
changes to the plan. And why I say draft is because I think when you write it down, it forces that accountability piece. And for me, when I write stuff down, I find all the holes. So it forces me to be thorough, dot all the I's, cross all the T's, think about all the nooks and crannies. Third, I would want you to just start executing, even though it might not be perfect because you just evaluated and drafted a few changes. I mean, it's certainly not going to be perfect, but it's action over perfection because we're going to spend some time tweaking it. So let's just get started. And then you could make adjustments. You can get give yourself feedback. You can get feedback from the mentees and the other mentors who are utilizing it and tweak and repeat and tweak and repeat. So for me, my, my goal for you is to think about where you stand in mentorship. How are you as a mentor? How is your program applying mentorship to others? Change is necessary, most likely, on both aspects. Start executing and just make adjustments as you go. I'm really looking forward to hearing how mentorship has catapulted the teaching talent in your building. So feel free to shoot me an email and brag on yourself or brag on your teachers, Gretchen at alwayslesson.com. I love good news emails. (laughs) The buck stops with us, y'all. It really does. Let's not lose any more good ones just because they haven't become great yet. Let's not lose any more good ones because they haven't become great yet. I think that's an important reminder. All right, Elite Educators, that's a wrap for this week's podcast on giving our mentorship supports an overhaul to make a larger impact for our kids. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered.